ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and I'm joined tonight by these two hairy folks. <laughs> I guess Jason's not as hairy, hairy as he once was. <laughs> no, it's getting there, though. It's getting there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> And I'm warning you, I'm wearing my Aaron Dell t-shirt, so you oh. know what that means. <laughs> There'll be plenty of singing. So my, 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 yeah, my wife and mind. I were in New Yeah, my wife and I were in New York on Saturday and we we saw the Lion not the Lion King, we we saw Aladdin. Oh. She had seen it before and I hadn't. And this little girl behind us, she I got engaged in a conversation with her. She was with her mother and her grandmother. And I'm not so surprised. she asked me my <laughs> she asked me my name. I'm like, well, I'm Mark. And she's like, I'm Elsa. And her grandmother's like, she is not Elsa. But we rolled with it. And there was some frozen. And we had a good we had a good laugh. Yeah, I'm that. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody, man. And for some reason, little kids are real comfortable talking to me. My wife is convinced that they think I might be Santa Claus. So they don't want to screw up. That's possible. That's yeah. Grow the beard but. a little bit longer. And maybe that would work even even more in your Wait. favor. And, you know, carry I mean, around a little Santa hat. In your back pocket, just hanging out the back. Could happen. Could happen. <laughs> That'd be a great way to go. The kids think you're Santa. That's crazy. Uh, all right. So tonight, well, I don't know, Jason, we didn't give you a chance to talk about when you went to New York and had a random conversation with a little girl about Disney characters. Not creepy. You have a story like that? <laughs> no. It's totally not creepy. <laughs> no, I do, I do not have a story like that. <laughs> Uh, neither do I, to be honest. <laughs> no, usually when I go to New York, it's random creepy guys just kind of either muttering to themselves <laughs> or begging for things or. Do they look like Santa Claus? Some of them do. OK, <laughs> well, then we have so, we have a theme. <laughs> so there was this guy, there was this guy walking down the street and he and he was talking to himself. So I taught my wife the game I've played for years when I travel, and that game is Bluetooth or Crazy Person. Ah. Where I try and determine is that does that person have a Bluetooth headset or are they just a little, little So we played that a few times. And yeah. as as the Bluetooth earpieces have gotten smaller and smaller, now it's it's even yeah. harder to it's, tell. It is. So Bluetooth or crazy person. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Bluetooth or crazy person. Sounds like a good game. Fun for all ages. <laughs> Most ages. All right. So tonight, um, I, I I think I mentioned on our last show that I was tinkering around with Kubernetes. And um, I'm going to say that it has not gone well. In fact, at the moment, I have I have zero Kubernetes clusters. Um, oh, no. <laughs> because I've blown it away twice. And the second time I haven't I haven't had the gumption to turn it back on again so I can continue continue trying to learn how to use it. That's, um, that's the problem with kids today. They have no gumption. You're right. And and they apparently stopped producing gumption in 1947 or so. It's possible. And there's been a serious lack of gumption since then. Serious lack of gumption. And um, um, I a, a co-worker of ours I've been chatting with. He was trying to set up his own matrix instance and he was having a lot mm -hmm. of trouble. Um, so it just kind of, it's been on my brain the past couple days or past weeks or so. Um, how, how do other IT folks learn new things? And I know everyone probably has their own approach, but I thought it might be worth, you know, the three of us getting together and just talking about what our favorite ways of learning new things are. And I threw a couple examples or, or what or topics we could talk about on the agenda or on the 
the notes here, um, I don't know if we'll touch on all of them or not, but they're just kind of the ways that I know of to learn things. Uh, personally, I, I love to just like jump right in. I'll find a thing that I'm interested in. I'll figure out how to get it installed. And I find that I learn by installing it and setting it up. I find that as things have gotten more complicated in the past decade or so, that doesn't work as well as it used to. You know, it used to be like you could get a good grasp on something by just jumping right in. Well, now like Kubernetes is complicated enough that you really need to know what you're getting into before you get into it. Right. So, um, I'm starting to rethink that. So I don't know, uh, Jason or Mark, you, you want to talk a bit about how, how you've learned new things. Mark, I know you're constantly learning new things for work. Jason, you've like reinvented yourself six times in the past five years. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just immerse myself in whatever it is. Um, it, it, it evolves over time. I mean, really sometimes it's kind of just, digging in and installing it myself and just hammering away on it. Other times I find it easier to have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, sit there and kind of, you know, guide me through it and, and mentor. So it, it, and I don't, I don't have a, I couldn't tell you which way I need prior to learning something. It just right. kind of, you know, feel it through. So I can tell you the worst way I learn new things. Okay. What's I'll that? start with that. The worst way I learn new things is when I try to do self-guided training modules around technological topics Yeah, because I get too friggin' distracted and I don't feel like I have a stake in the game. And now I'm going to call out some of her Red Hat stuff. The Red Hat stuff, while good, sometimes is a little too friggin' happy about the amount of useless typing it has you do. Like in, in like the exercises and stuff. A lot of it to me sometimes feels like filler. So to me, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my sweet child, Nate, things have not, things were not like easy and then got hard. Like when I first did the computer stuff, it was at the Apple II in the 70s. Yeah. Where if you wanted to print, you almost had to write a freaking print driver. Like yeah. there's yeah. always, there's always been a barrier of entry of technical ability if you want to do anything with a system that somebody hasn't already set up for you. Yeah. Um, but, but to me, I need a goal. I uh, like, I'll, and by that, I mean, like I want to set up a server that does X, Y, or Z, or I want to get Linux operating as my desktop environment and get rid of windows, which was something I tried to do for years at Merck and always failed because screw you exchange. <laughs> but like, you know, things like I want to set up my Valheim server and I want to have Valheim running as a system D service and I want the server to auto patch and back up at night and, and things like that. Those are those are the things that when I have a goal like that, that's when I that's when I learn the best, because I don't do good with with fake goals. My original attempt to do OpenShift in my home lab was around. I want to set up a Minecraft server running in OpenShift. And I never got there because I blew up ETCD or however <laughs> you say it inside OpenShift. Yeah. And that's not the that's not the etcd directory in Linux that just has settings and shit. 
Etsy D on on OpenShift is the friggin' database that says this is what the cluster is. Yeah. And if I die, you're screwed. Well, Etsy Etsy D to OpenShift or to Kubernetes more specifically is like if you were to RM RF on slash Etsy on a on a Linux box. It's a very similar thing to what you said. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. So well, okay, yeah, in the sense that, but it contains. It's like where the state of the cluster is oh, is stored. And yeah, yeah. there's a certain amount of redundancy, but apparently it can be fragile. Who knew Perry the Platypus? And basically, if you blow it up, it's it, it it's very hard to restore properly. You might as well just nuke the cluster from orbit and try again. And I never got... I, I never followed through on the nuke it from orbit and try again piece because I got distracted by something else. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's... In, in my case with, with the Kubernetes thing, I've been, so I didn't build Kubernetes from scratch. I built it on DigitalOcean and it's literally like a one click. It turns out a, a, a Kubernetes cluster for you to whatever size you tell it to, right? So that piece is simple, right? I mean, that literally, you couldn't get much more simple than that. I click some buttons, it gives me a Kubernetes cluster. Simply trying to stand up a service on it is what's had me kind of sideways. And I don't know if it's just the how-tos that I'm reading or if it's because I don't understand the pieces enough. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's kind of my point, right? Um, yeah. when, when I first dove into Linux, we'll say, right. I didn't go buy a bunch of books and read them about Linux. I hated reading when I was that, that age, I was more interested in getting my hands on a keyboard. Right. So I, I bought a book about Linux and then I basically threw the book away and took the disc from the back of the book and installed it on my machine. Right. And that's how I learned Linux. Work out for you. It actually, I mean, but, it was there was a there was a bit of like head hitting desk situation, just trying to get it installed. It probably took me six attempts to get a running system out of that. But each attempt, I learned something new, and I ended up with a running Linux system at the end. And then the next thing was, okay, now how do I get a GUI? Because that wasn't easy at the time, right? And I figured that out through lots of trial and error. Uh, and then it was, okay, now I got the GUI working. How do I get, you know, this cool window manager I saw online working? And I muddled through that. Hmm. And that all resulted in read some things, follow some how-tos, do the thing, right? But it was all very hands-on. There was no, I didn't sit down in a recliner with a book about Linux and learn all the things about how to run Linux, right? And I know some people learn that way. I don't. I, I've yeah. never learned that no. way. <laughs> I, I, I like having books. I've got a bunch of books over here. Some of them are O'Reilly books. Some of them are of the same time period as O'Reilly. And I would say that having good reference materials next to you uh, is it can be handy. The equivalent of uh, the equivalent of uh, Googling for everything nowadays back in 98 was like the Linux how to project. How-tos were guides put together by members of the community. Yep. And if you wanted to do something in Linux and you asked in a public forum, the helpful people would point to a specific how-to rather than just feed you a specific command because the how-tos often went into great depth. And then the unhelpful people would be, you noob, why didn't you go read the docs? <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and so, but the response was the same. But the helpful people actually pointed you to the to, to the right, docs. Right. It's like, well, yeah. I would read the docs if I knew what 
I had to look for. I'm that new. Please just help me instead of yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. But we we yeah. actually talked about that on a previous episode, probably two years ago at this point. Wizards and oh, peons, God, yeah. if you remember that. Wizards and peons, right? That was a good a role playing game. <laughs> also about nerds. Also about nerds. So um, I went to Twitter and I asked, just sort of in general, mostly to people. And what did who, Elon say? Like, actually follow us, but. Uh, I asked folks how they learn, and I only got one response on Twitter, and that was from good old Captain Sog, Sog on Security, if you want to go look for him on Twitter. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, he says he likes to dive in and drink from the fire hose. Now, when I first read it, I thought it said drive in and drink, but I, it, that didn't sound right. But he says dive in and drink from the fire hose and leverage the hyper-focusing ADHD ability of or to further accelerate learning. So... I don't know, folks who do struggle with ADHD, I'm not trying to say that uh, you sh you can learn in the same way that this is what he said, right? Um, but right. I've heard that that is actually a thing, that folks who have attention deficit can really hyper-focus on something, and that sometimes can be a, a benefit to them, sometimes not. Uh, Turn anyway, it into a skill. Right, so he says he learned PowerShell, Go, and Rust in the last year-ish. In addition, a lot of penetration testing-specific stuff. Um if you want it bad enough, you'll get it done. And that's, I mean, that's, that's sort of uh, what I was alluding to, right? That's, that's the way I've learned a number of things, um, except I don't yeah. have ADHD. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so personally, I, I feel like that's a great way to build a good, a good sort of trial by fire skill set. But I guess I'm curious about your opinions on whether that gives you a well-rounded education or not so i've talked a lot i kind of want to let jason talk <laughs> you got any points there jason it's like oh wait no, what? well i mean what? <laughs> it, it it does it does it let you does it make you well-rounded i mean it is that what you're after though well, you so right. I was kind so, of thinking that. Do you need to be well-rounded? So yeah. here's here's the thing. I feel, like you're call, I feel like you're calling me fat. Yeah. Here's <laughs> here's the gap I've always found. Right. It'll be. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty proficient in a thing, and then someone else okay. comes along and they're like, "Oh, did you ever try this thing?" And to me, it's like, the the what? I, I've never even heard of that. Right. Because yeah. Because it's a thing that they encountered or they read about or they learned about that I never encountered because my method was I started a thing and I did some stuff with the thing and that stuff never included the thing that they're talking about. And it makes me feel like, wow, I, I really don't have as much of a grasp of this thing as I thought I did right now. Yeah. But, topics but, like, like, you know, like the Linux platform, there's a billion and a half things you could learn. Right. So it's, it's a hard yeah. to expect you'd know them all anyway. Anyway, that's my example. You, right? If, if, if you knew everything there was to know about the thing, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like th if there's nothing left to learn, then it gets kind of boring. Yeah. So I try to think of how to put this. I always wonder I, if if I had started with training and certification or if I had started with some course from a higher or from an institution of higher learning, right, about Linux or about whatever the topic is, uh, would I have a more rounded approach to it? And then I could have built from there. Or did I really? I don't think so. No, I no? don't think you would. 
if you I, if I you th- took if you took like a super hardcore deep dive, you know, year long course on something, maybe you you would be super well rounded and, and kind of know everything there is to know about it. But in general, all of those certification courses, all of them are, you know, it's 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 what they think is most important for you to learn. I mean, look at look at the RHCE or or the RH, uh, whatever the the new ones are. I mean, if you just look at those, it's it's the information that is most important for that topic. RHCE is pretty and, rounded. It makes you, you know, it's it's a, you know, you are you are considered a certified engineer on on a Red Hat system. You haven't even touched uh, the surface of what's in Red Hat, though. Oh, God, yeah. Like, if I look at the actual technical content in when when you take an RHCSA course versus the stuff you really run into, yeah. it's it's night and day. And the RHC, by the way, is broke AF right now because it's not even about – it's not even an uh, advanced system admin. It pivoted to Ansible. It's an so, Ansible course, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the, the, the version 8 of the RHC, and I don't care if there's Red Adders listening, is not nearly as – it does not, to me, anymore demonstrate that this person is a Linux guru. I, yeah, I, I mean, truly believe that we broke it. Mine was four, I think, and it was it was spectacular. It, it, was a t- it was a ton of yeah. fun. I had so much fun. Yeah. But you know what the the whole goal of the RTE was for me? Build a Linux system that does some basic things, and that was it. Yeah, yeah I learned some troubleshooting, and I learned some other stuff. But you know, I walked out of that with. You know, feeling big that I've got my RHCE and still dumb as a rock. There's so much you don't know in it. There's so much that it can't yeah. cover. They, they like C groups. Oh, and yeah, right. If, anything if, beyond real fundamentals and networking to, and file systems and to stuff. Try to, my, to try to cover it all in a week, which is what those courses are, and then certify on it, right? Cover it well enough that you can test on it. That's yeah, that that is tough. Right. So, so, so to answer your question about certification, no, I don't think you'd be more well-rounded. I think the certification is great if you're trying to break into something. And at Red Hat, I'll, I'll take our certification courses and not even bother to test. Well, not anymore. If I want to dive into a tech that I need to learn for a customer. But what you described where you learn something and then you're bumping into other people who point out other stuff, to me, that is the community nature of of technology. It's like I learned the knee of my Uncle Terry, who's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Like he's the guy who really helped when I first picked up the Apple II. And I always have had more alpha geeks and mentors throughout my tech journey that have shown me the way even and as good as I got at points, because I at points I was mostly the alpha nerd. There was still always someone who knew something I didn't know. And to me, that's a very and that works with many things. I'm sure you see that in the jeeping community. I absolutely see it in the scouting community all the time. We're always swapping tips and, and giving advice and saying, hey, this is the way we overcame this particular challenge or this is a technique that I picked up from some dude who, like, knows how to build a nuclear reactor out of tree bark. You know, stuff like that. It, so that, to me, that's not a failure on you, Nate. That's that's the mentoring and absorbing knowledge from other folk in whatever community you happen to be in. That shows that you're open and you're curious. Indeed. 
So I also asked in our Discord, Discord. community, and uh, the mentor chimed in. He said, the way I learned new no technology surprise. is by setting it up in my home lab, messing around with it, messing it up, and building it up so many times until I fully get it. And that's kind of the approach I was just describing. Um, let's see. We also got one from NamePending197, also from Discord, and he said, this is Discord. the way. I do the same. I build it, I document it, I break it. Repeat. I also find that learning and then presenting new technology to the better to, to the rest of the team is an excellent way to retain knowledge. Explaining and demonstrating something to others is one of the best ways to understand yourself or understand it yourself, especially if you know you'll you'll be questioned about it. And that's actually a really good point that I did not include in my outline, right? Sometimes even if you don't fully grasp every little aspect of a topic, trying to teach it to someone else is a great way to learn it better yourself. Absolutely. Because it, it makes you rethink some of it. In fact, Jason, you probably remember this from, uh, I, I'm, I'm re-listening to my audiobooks of the Dresden Files. Um, Jim Butcher, the author, calls this out because Harry is, is now takes on an apprentice uh, somewhere in like the 10th or 11th book. And he says the same thing. He says, I've been forced to rethink a lot of what I thought I already knew about magic, which is what he's teaching her, um, because I'm now teaching it. And that's that's a great, I mean, that happens to me all the time. If there's a thing I think I'm good at and I try to present it, then I realize, hey, these are these things I didn't really know about. And that prompts me to go look at them. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think I think a lot of it has to do with why you're learning something, too. Um you know, if you're learning something because you want to learn this new thing and use it in your career or whatever, you know, you're going to you're going to approach it differently than, you know, God damn it, this thing over here broke and I need to fix it. And to do that, I need to know how widgets work. Crap. Google, 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 how do widgets work? OK, I have just enough knowledge. I've propped it back up. That stick looks a little wiggly, but hopefully it'll hold it there. And we're good. And you walk away. <laughs> right. Like. It, it, there's difference. In, there's there's big six, differences. In six months, the stick breaks, and then you got to figure out the right way right. to fix it. And then yeah. you bang your head against the wall, going, "Wait a minute! I know there was a there was a page on how, the internet somewhere. How did I do this last time? <laughs> yeah. I found it so easy yep. last time. Why can't I but, find it now?" But you know what happens sometimes, Jason? Sometimes you think you're fixing a widget, and you fall in love with something new. Sometimes that that's sometimes what happens, right? You stumble into I mean, something, you're like, wow, this is really cool. And then suddenly you're like Gandalf in the scene in Fellowship where he, he rides a long distance and he's in that library surrounded by the scrolls and the books and, yeah. suck, you know, with the pipe and the drink trying to, to yeah, do the research I, that, on the that ring. That happens all the time. That, um, some people that, call that's that ADHD. Me when I'm, yeah, that's me when I'm troubleshooting <laughs> IDM. I'm Gandalf in the tower. <laughs> surrounded by identity. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what exactly I'm doing with identity. Some of it's interesting. Some of it I just want to like smash, smash until it's all gone and make it go away. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I find myself all the time kind of going off on tangents on tech. Um, you know, I need to, I need to accomplish a thing, and as I'm doing it, I'll, I'll, I'll trip over like this other small piece of it, and I'm like, ooh, that's neat. Let's learn about that. Yeah. Um, and off we go. You know, we, uh, what were we doing? We were setting something up for some, some daemon on a Linux box and went down our system D rabbit hole, learning oh, all about such all about, a rabbit hole. 
It's a warren. About it's how, not a rabbit hole. Yeah. It's it, all it, it must have been, yeah, most of it was um now I I've, I haven't really looked very deep into system D, so I wasn't familiar with exactly what it, what the capabilities were. Um and most of this was was more teaching um and and kind of, you know, figuring out how simply put when when you when you stop a process in system D, you can choose what it does to the different processes involved in it. Does it only kill the parent? Does it kill the parent and the children? Does it only kill the children? Right. Does it do nothing? Which is a weird one. So um, violent. So violent. Yeah, yeah. It and, does nothing. Uh, so and actually, you've turned System D into a pacifist. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can tell <laughs> System D that the um, kill mode is nothing, huh. and it, and it, it will go through all of the do? functionality. But when it comes to actually stopping, like sending the signal. To stop the app, it just doesn't send a signal. So I'm not sure just, what that's for. Instead, it just asks nicely. <laughs> but somebody, <laughs> no, it doesn't do anything. Somebody decided that was necessary for some reason. Yeah, or right. they decided that even if they can't imagine why it would be necessary, they yeah. still want it to be an option because somebody be may someday find a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, the, the conversation was super interesting because this was somebody who came from the world of windows and yeah. you know, the immediate, the immediate reaction was, well, why would you don't want to kill a process? That's the wrong way to stop something like that's, you know, you want it to exit gracefully. Right. And then ensuing discussion was, no, you don't understand when you send a signal, you use a kill command. It's, you know, it's, it's in the kernel. Like, you're just sending a signal to ask it to do something. That you're signal could be, Hey, could you restart or, could you please shut down or die now, die? <laughs> yeah. Negative nine, negative nine, yeah. everything. Yes. And, and, you know, equating that back to windows and saying like, well, when you press the little X on your window, that's actually sending, basically sending a SIG term windows equivalent. It's, it's yeah. sending a kill, a kill. Yeah. And if you go into shut down. Yeah, yeah, if you I, go into the I mean, process I, manager and and terminate it, that's a kill I minus do, nine. <laughs> I do remember the days when uh, a window in Windows, the clicking the at the in the Windows three one days, it was the little minus sign. You could double click it to kill a thing, or you could go to file exit, and these weren't always the same thing, right? No, like they the, weren't always the same yeah, thing, right? And uh, nowadays, it I don't know, maybe it is, but uh, no, it it's to, it's it used to be actually they always the same thing. It's still not it. It's still it's still not the same thing because if your application is responding to you, you can go file exit. That's essentially going to send the equivalent of a SIG term. Yeah. If your application is responding to you and you hit that little X in the corner, it's roughly the same thing. It's going to send essentially a SIG term. However, if your application is not responding and you click the X, Windows will see that it's not responding and give you basically give you the yeah. option of sending yeah. a SIG term. But I mean, if the application is working properly, or sick kill rather, it's the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just yeah, that it goes, yeah, it goes a step further if if it's not responding. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Which is all yep. in, in an effort into, to make it more uh, more friendly for the user. Yeah. Yeah. Then we then we got into discussions of how like yes, this is the way that that the the apps on Linux normally work, but you can in fact, if you would like, intercept those signals and make it do all sorts of wacky things. Whack a doodle. All I can Linux. tell you is with, Sys if, with System D, if you have SE Linux running, it has strong opinions about 
where things you execute as a system D service need to live. So if yes. you've got if you write a script that's living in, in a in a directory that's not labeled to be executable stuff, like it's in a home directory, mm -hmm. SE Linux will not allow system D to start that. And it's really not friggin' obvious what's happening to most people. Right. So pro tip for people listening to this who might be running into that right now. I don't know. And my, my other comment on that is, why are you trying to run a system service that's running out of your home directory? Don't do well, that. Well, Valheim. When yeah, I set right. Valheim up as a <laughs> when I set Valheim up as a uh, as a system D service so that it could be automatically restarted every night, yeah. I had the, the Steam creates the Valheim directory in your home directory. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is I ended up relabeling just the subdirectory that 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 was in, and then SE Linux was fine with it. Well, so the other um, option would have been to put something in the user bin directory, but I just relabeled right. the directory. The uh, and it's the, it's doing a good thing because it's trying to prevent crazy exploits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 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 capture the flag thing that I do for the Derby. Well, when we did it for DefCon six one zero this past year, uh, Mark wanted to build one, and he took a bunch of my scripts that were all like old SysV and it scripts, and he converted them to System D. And then I took what he wrote and imported it back into my own. Right, and we both ran into that exact same problem where. Yeah. These scripts are running all over the goddamn place because when I wrote them, they were just like, oh, I'm going to put them in slash derby because they're all Python scripts. They're all part of the same project. Well, now we're trying to run them with systemd and systemd's like, what is that? <laughs> you can't yeah, run like from, from there. <laughs> like from Black Panther. What are those? But, was it, I, had yeah, run but into, it, I had run into it before. So I, yeah, we were able to it, fix it pretty but quickly. But it wasn't systemd that was that was the problem. It was, it was SE Linux silently killing it. We're silently it, preventing well, it from working. It, it it gives you an error message, but the error message is a little bit of a head scratcher yeah. if you don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and SE Linux will Linux allow you to. It, it'll allow you to do anything. It just wants you to. It wants you to be like very explicit. Yeah. I would like to run yeah. this yes, thing this in this non-standard yeah. location. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you can and you can tell you can label the directory so that you can, but it's trying. So, yeah. And I like SE Linux. I think it does a great so job. I. I I always have it enabled. Uh, and and I think it protects you from so much, so many potentially bad things. I would never willingly disable it. And I used to have that conversation with customers all the time. Stop disabling SE Linux. You're making Dan Walsh cry. But some well, of them it, it, it took a little while before SE Linux was not it a, was, a, it, a royal pain oh, to keep enabled. Rel, it's Rel still, 4 it's and 5, SE Linux was an absolute pain. Rel yes. 6, it came around. Rel 7 and 8, it's much, much, much better. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Boy, we went down a rabbit warren. We really did. We really did. But these we are did. all things we at one point had to learn by doing. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. What well, like, I will say. Like, like Nate, I'll be learning Kubernetes. Well, I'm doing Kubernetes for work, but I want to learn more about building it. So in uh, December of 2023, when my my Raspberry Pi modules finally get here. I'll be able to build it. <laughs> so that's that's actually you got another, the steam deck another, quicker. <laughs> that, that that's another valid path for discussion here, right? Um, so you you're going to approach Kubernetes by trying to build it. I'm approaching Kubernetes from the opposite end. I want to try to learn how to work with it first. Do you already know that, or are you are you just yeah? I've, rather I already I, yeah. No, I I I I work with it for work. I'm okay. still learning. I mean, there's there's like an endless amount of stuff to learn, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, the basic, the base, you know, running it, uh, uh, 
you know, namespaces and running pods and daemon sets and like uh, the, the basics I'm, I'm fully versed in now. Um, okay. I still have to look things up to, you know, it's not, it's not, I can't just sit there and go kubectl blah, 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 blah. Okay. We're up and running. Right. Um, for, so for some things, some, some of it's pretty stuff. simple. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for, um, I, I, so I, I guess I'm just a step behind you is really what it comes down to. I don't have, a Kubernetes instance that I'm forced to work with that I have to learn on. So what I want to do is I want to learn how to run the services I'm already running in containers in Kubernetes on DigitalOcean. Uh, and yeah. I figured the easiest way to, to start with that is to not have to learn Kubernetes itself you know, running it and try to get it up and running using the DigitalOcean Kubernetes stuff. So, so Nate, based on your stories around this, it sounds like DigitalOcean just does not have a very well set up Kubernetes experience. Well, I don't know that that's it because the no, you're very the, gracious. The, the well, no, the Kubernetes cluster itself is doing exactly, as far as I know, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. The, yeah, but you're not able to set up an ingress route, and well, that's kind of fundamental. The I don't want to speak poorly of it because I don't know why I can't I'll get that speak ingress poorly route of it. Um, you're not. I a, think you're not a. You're not a dumbass. There, that, that, if you're struggling with it, there's a problem with their documentation or their implementation. It could easily be the documentation is what I'm getting at, right? So basically, I found a how-to from DigitalOcean about how to... Or you've turned into a dumbass that... Maybe that's it. Maybe it, maybe that's it. I've, I've but somehow, I doubt that part. I haven't had COVID, though, so I can't... You know, I can't blame COVID it's like you It's not do. long COVID wrecking your memory? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I had OG COVID in yeah. March of 2020. Ugh. So anyway, the the... The point is, like, I'm following their how-to, I follow it as far as I know, step-by-step, step, and then I get to a point where the ingress controller is supposed to take my request and hand it off to my containers, and it doesn't. I get a not found error, and I don't know why, right? Well, it's, well. it's like an engine, Nginx and that's, error that says I can't yeah, find and the that's, thing. That's one of the problems with learning on your own, because now you're stuck at a point where you're like, well, the documentation right. says it should work, right. and it doesn't. Right, uh, right. So that's my point. So, that's my point. Did I mess something up along the way? And that's why I blew it away and started over again. Well, I started it over again and I got to the same point with the same problem. So I'm like, well, did I do the same thing wrong again? <laughs> so when I was, record, I was up, trying to drive drive things back onto the rails. That, yeah, was, that was my, yeah. my sad attempt. So what I can tell you is when I set up my Kubernetes, when I set up OpenShift 3, 3 something, 3 dot whatever, in my home lab, this is before the plague, so I could go to New York on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I was I was super frustrated. I was having a really hard time with it. I ran into an SA, Freddie Montero, or he's a consultant. I forget which. Really wicked smart. He's a red hatter, and and he like graciously spent like an hour or two with me going over the playbooks and the settings and all that stuff. And because of him. We got the cluster up. Yeah. yeah. So well, sometimes, I mean, I've, sometimes I've got, that second set of eyes and that yeah. mentoring is really critical to that. I've got a pool of plenty of OpenShift TAMs that are familiar with Kubernetes that I can dive into. And that's that's my next step, basically, yeah. as soon as I have time yeah. to deal with that. But anyway, and I, really, this relates to the topic at hand, right? Sometimes, and as you were alluding to before, the community sometimes the community around you is a great way to learn stuff because too much. you're gonna get in over your head, and then you you know having someone to go to and be like, "Hey, have you run into this?" 
like when I was learning Linux, I worked in tech support at a little ISP. Well, not so little anymore, I guess. Oh, they're still little on the grand scheme of things. Um, no. They're not as big were, as Comcast. They're no, little. There were other there were other techs who were also learning Linux at the same time. Some of them were more advanced than me. Some of them were not. Right. And, you know, I'd go to work in the evening because I was still working part time at the time. I'd go to work and I'd be like, hey, Matt, do you, do you know how to do this? He'd be like, oh, yeah, you just do this, this and that. And that's exactly the point, right? Like, I felt like I was doing okay. And he would, he'd be like, oh, you do this. And I'd be like, what? I didn't know that existed. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess uh, you should remain humble. Is part of that, part of the point there. I, I, I try to remain <laughs> humble, but it's very difficult. <laughs> but, but even 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 the smartest people have something to learn. There's always something to learn. Yeah, I, I, there we is. had there was this there was a big debate on on Twitter in InfoSec Twitter a little while ago about the same thing where it was like, what what even is a subject matter expert? Because even SMEs, so-called SMEs, don't know everything there is about that subject. It's almost because there's, there's just to too much about something. Here's yes. what I do know. If you self-label as a thought leader on LinkedIn, you're an <laughs> asshole. That I will state. Jason's a self-identified thought right leader is, is, is actually not. All right. So a couple other approaches. So we talked about home labs, essentially, you know, dive in and, and deal with stuff. Uh, trial by fire. That's, that's more like I've started a job, right? And that job, while I was qualified for the job, has a technology Jerp. I've never touched before. And oh my God, it just, new customer. it just caught fire. What do I do? Right. Um, I've had plenty of that in my career too. Not not so much today, because it's usually when they when when I have to learn a thing, it's not because it's on fire. It's because I've been asked a question, which is not usually when it's on fire. Although it could be. Um, anyway, trial by fire is another good way to learn. Training and certification we kind of touched on. Um, this really depends on you as a learner how you want to do training and certification. Some people are awesomely diligent with self paced learning, like Mark said that he wasn't. Some people can't. I, I have trouble with self-paced learning. I always get distracted by something that seems, quote unquote, more important, even though learning the new skill is actually very important, especially in a position like I hold. Um, the uh, But some people are great at it. Other people need something that's a little more structured and, you know, like online learning with instructor leadership or an in-person class. Personally, I find in-person classes to be the best way to learn a thing. Even though yeah. I love the convenience of self-paced learning, I love the yeah. convenience of instructor-led online learning. Nothing compares to locking yourself in a room with a bunch of other students with an instructor that's teaching you a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, agreed. I would not. I would not rely on certification as a learning path. I, I simply wouldn't. I think. I, I, I'm sure we've had this. I'm sure like we've had this in, discussion many times at this point. But certifications are bullshit. There is a it's, handful that, that, some cases that are, they are hard to get. In other, but, in other yeah. cases, they are not. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And yeah, yes, there, we have there, had this conversation. <laughs> there are a handful that I, that I you know, respect if you've got them. But the majority of them are, are garbage. And companies use them. Companies attempt to use them as a way to, you know, filter potential candidates. But I know far, far, far too many people who have pretty what are, what are considered pretty high-end certificates and couldn't actually answer any questions. They're good at taking tests. That's yeah. it. That's all oh, there yeah. is to it. Yeah. And especially in this industry, the, realistically, there are a lot of people like me that 
may display a lot of technical prowess are terrible at taking tests. I've always been bad at it. Right. Right. It's just it's besides not a good which, thing I'm not a thing I'm good at. Unless you, it's a practical using, exam. Using certifications as a way to learn something is is like that's a <laughs> They're yeah, expensive, well, man. So They're I, I really said, expensive. Specifically, I said, I said, I said, training and certification, right? So usually, a certification will come with training, right? Maybe you take the yeah. training and not the cert, but the training right, is but, still but valid. Those those certification trainings, going through a, a place that 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 is like for certification, like I can't even remember the names of the places anymore because I don't even deal with them. But those those are like three, four, five thousand dollar courses. Like it they're, they're yeah. stupid. Whereas you could find, you can find stuff online that's interactive that, that somebody is teaching for far less Yeah, and, and get a much, much better grasp or on even, what you're learning. Even for free. Right. I've started looking yeah, at, even for free. Uh, there's a site called Kubernetes by example, uh, yep. which is what I've been going through to try to learn Kubernetes better before I rebuild that cluster. Um, although, the quote by example part means you need a Kubernetes cluster to tinker with. So I'm probably going to have to do that first. Uh, but anyway, yeah, there's um, a, it's as far as I know, hundred percent free. I haven't, I haven't run into anything asking me for my credit card yet. Yeah. YouTube <laughs> has tons of, tons of good stuff. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, if I, if I can, if I find the, there's a really good Kubernetes, uh, uh, YouTube video, if I find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. Cause it basically goes over the concept of every single part of Kubernetes. Oh, that's cool. Really, really well. That's cool. But yeah, so um, I, I guess when I say training and certification, I don't necessarily mean the $10,000 training courses. I would consider the things we just discussed as training. It's just not as formal. No? I mean, self-paced training through a website that I found is, is still training. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's, that's you know, minus the cert. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't mean them to be exclusively together. I meant training and no, that, certification. That's fair. Not training with certification, training plus plus certification. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see what else. Reading. I mean, I said before that I I'm not I'm not a big sit down and read things. I did learn my first uh, programming slash scripting language that way. Perl. Is is, is Mark playing a video game? <laughs> no, I just. Oh, it was your phone. Got, okay. There's some messages from the crew. I'll turn this to silent. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, um, Pearl. We had a I camping learned, trip this weekend. I learned Pearl by literally sitting down with a book. I think it was the Learning Pearl book, in fact. The O'Reilly Learning, Learning Pearl Learning Pearl, I think, is on my shelf. Yeah, I've got it here somewhere. Um, I literally sat down and read it. I got about halfway through the book before I even touched the interpreter, before I even sat down at a command line and started typing in Pearl. Uh, because I tried it the other way, which is my normal way of learning things. I jumped into the interpreter, started writing scripts. I didn't understand a damn thing I was doing. So I decided this was probably the right way to go. We have a visitor. It probably was. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and that, oh, yeah. And that, and that worked out what pretty well. What are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> Donkey. <laughs> Donkey. Anyway, uh, let's see, and that's that's pretty Gonna much all. Gonna give you a smack, bottom. That's that's all the points uh, that I had in the list. Any uh, are there any other ways to learn a thing that we haven't talked about? We got trial by fire. We got trading and certification. We got home labs. We got reading. Kind what of, else? kind of, kind of waiting for the Matrix style. You know, just like chunk, just jack it in, push a button. I know, I know kung fu. I know kung fu. <laughs> Show me. 
or is it prove it? Then learn to learn to fly a helicopter with by just uploading that. That yeah, was cool. Right. Right. Yeah. Sadly, we can't do that yet. Someday, someday we'll be there. And that that may be a scary day. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Although, although then maybe the folks that uh, that are on social media claiming to be experts about, you know, immunotherapies or biology or whatever might actually be experts on it because they they actually learned it. By Unlikely. No, 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 no. Because what will happen is you'll just have a bunch of people who put out bullshit tutorials and, and, and learning modules and they'll jack yeah, those right. into their head right. and they'll be even more adamant about what they think they know yeah, before they end they up killing themselves. Way. Or they'll misinterpret what they've learned. That's the more likely thing. I mean, yeah. that's an interesting <clears throat> that's an interesting question. If you learn something by it being flooded into your head like that, basically just mapped to your brain, can you misinterpret it? How does the brain store something like that? It's a good question. I don't if know. If it was if it was Hold purely on, let me, like let me like, go here's watch the text a, of this thing, I guess you could, but if me, it was let me go watch a something YouTube you've video learned. on on neurology, and then I'll then I'll give you my expert opinion. Okay, good because idea. There's good always, idea. <laughs> because with many things, there's always interpretation involved. Right. right. You you can you can take you can look at hard mathematical equations. You can look at text, whether it's scientific text, literary text, you know, biblical text, whatever, and you're always going to be able to put an interpretation on it. Sure. That's 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 assuming that. When when the material is uploaded to you, it's uploaded in a raw text form, which means that your brain would have to somehow learn yeah, right, what it's what right. is incoming. So, the way so imagine, the way I think of it is that what you're getting is the already learned response. Yeah, so take, yeah, right. Take, take kung fu for example. He, he didn't have to interpret that. He just he knew it. Like. There's no interpretation yeah, or, or learning how to fly it. a helicopter. Right. There's a lot of yes. nuance to that. There's a lot of experience to that. Did you learn all the experiences of some guy who was a pro yeah, helicopter pilot? And that's been that's into the your way. Brain? I, yeah. Or did you learn yeah. the functionality of how a helicopter works? And now you've got to figure yeah. it out. Here's here's the here's the manual for the helicopter. Good luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, did, or did they literally the... did they upload Chuck Yeager into your brain? Right. You know, right. something I, like I'm that. thinking that's a great I'm thinking question. Experiences. Experience is the way – if I had my choice, I want the experiences. Thanks. Yeah, I'd rather learn by experience. And that that wraps perfectly into what we're talking about here. I learn better by experience. Boom. <laughs> I suspect Boom. so many people would upload, like, name whatever particular porn star you want if they could upload their experiences. But that's just me. I don't know that I would want the experiences Rule 34. of any porn star. I, I said most people. I, I didn't think, say all people. I think – as glorious as they might look on screen, they go through a lot of terrible things. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, we've already gone way Edgelord. off the way off the rabbit trail Edgelord. there. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Now you got me one. Now you got me thinking about how the how learning the stuff of the Matrix actually works. Yeah, right. Now we're gonna have to figure that out, and before you know it, we're all gonna be neuroscientists. I don't. I don't think the folks who wrote the Matrix put that much thought. Probably into not. It. Probably not. Anyway, I think most of the stuff uploaded is is like, well, anyway, uh, yeah. So on, I'll shut up now. So push the button, Frank. I am curious. How do you learn? I reached out to Twitter. I reached out to our Discord, folks. Um, 
If you're listening Discord. to the show and we didn't cover however you learn best, please uh, reach out and let us know. I'm, I'm curious. How how are other people I, I, in the industry learning? I sleep, I sleep with a book every night and learn by osmosis. Yeah. I That's hope, not how that works. I hope you mean it's under your pillow because there's a lot of other yes. inferences that I mean, you don't want. <laughs> God, paper cuts. Still not anyway, how it works. Anyway, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to go on into a break, uh, folks. This is going to be the first half of the show. If you want to tune in to hear us chat randomly, you know, more, us than, chat. more than hear we did in chat. the first half of the show, check out part B of the show and we'll catch you there. If you want to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon or Teespring. There's links for that in the description of the uh, or the show notes. Um, we're going to take a break. If anybody's watching live, which I don't think they are. But if they are, we'll we'll be back in a few. I'm probably gonna get another drink, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just There's some people in I'm just rambling until I can find the, the There's break a page. there's a viewer list. Not all and I don't think all these are Russian spam bots. <sighs> That's probably Jason. It's me and Jason. It, there's, the button six, push. there's six viewers. Push the button, Frank. 